Welcome to the HCC Podcast. Our mission here at Heritage is to nurture love for God, love for self, and love for each other. I hope and pray that the message you're about to hear does that for you. And remember, you're always welcome here at Heritage Community Church. Amen and amen. Psalm chapter 84 talks about a certain valley. Now, the valley of of, um, of, um, Abaca that we're going to be talking about, Baca literally means weeping and sorrow. And how many of you have ever been in a valley that almost consumed you with weeping and with sorrow? Can, have you ever been there? Now, what you do in the valley is everything. And we're going to talk about that today. Psalm chapter 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage as they pass through the valley of Baca. They make it a place of springs. The autumn rains cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, a God of Jacob. Wouldn't it be great if we never went through any type of valley? Okay, one person. Wouldn't it be great if we never struggled with anything? We never went through hard time. We never went through trial. Wouldn't it be awesome in our Christian walk if things were always on even keel or better yet, high up on the mountain? Wouldn't that be nice? Like no problems ever. Wouldn't that be nice? Amen? Lord didn't promise that. He didn't say that you would never face trials. He said when you face trials. Amen. So when I was younger, we went uh, on vacation to see the Grand Canyon. Has anybody else seen the Grand Canyon? It's a big hole in the ground. If you've never been, go because it's awesome. But if you've been before, it's just a bunch of rocks. Hey, it's really cool though. We would go up and drive to the edge of a cliff to the height of several thousand feet and, and stand right on the side of the mountain above the clouds where the sky was blue and the sun was a golden color shining down and it was just awesome and you could see kind of the shadow of the clouds on the ground, this gray below in the valley. And while it was great on the mountaintop, however, you knew that you couldn't always stay there. Because there's something about the mountaintop and the valley that people don't quite understand. When storms come through, you're not protected when you're up here. But let me tell you something. When you're down in the valley, the mountains protect you from the winds and from the rain. So there is some good that can come from your valley if you'll sit and listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Everything can't be cupcakes and rainbows. And this guy sure does love a good cupcake. <laughs> but life isn't always about that. There are times that we go through that seems like you just don't know what to do. The valley sometimes is hard. Spiritually speaking, 
Our walk with God is often the same way. He allows us to experience from time to time the wonderful heights of the mountain, yet to only come down to the lowest depths of the valley, and we wonder why. We wonder why we can't stay on the mountaintop, why we must walk through the depths of the valley. Again, the Lord never promised there wouldn't be the valley. He just said, I will be with you as you're walking through. The truth is every single person in this room now before or later will experience moments of despair. Unfortunately, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but there's going to be times where you struggle. There's going to be times where you may even in your flesh doubt the things of God. Notice I said in the flesh because if you're walking in the spirit, you'll never doubt the power of God. And if you can go back to times in your life where the Lord has blessed you and bring back to your remembrance every miracle that the Lord has ever done in you, you will never doubt the power of God. Because if you know that he's done it before, then you know that he can do it again. Amen? But sometimes what happens, we get in our flesh and we sometimes question God, why are you taking me through this? The valleys are a part of everybody's life. Regardless of how isolated some may appear from such troubles, rest assured, they too will reach places where they wonder why they're going through it as well. But let me tell you something. Many times we learn more in the valley than we do on the mountain. The question is, are you listening? Psalm chapter 84, this passage that we read, is a song of pilgrimage. It's about going on a journey. Every Jewish male was required to worship at the temple at least three times a year, if at all possible. And for many homes, it was the highlight of their year to be able to go to Jerusalem and see the sights and sounds of the big city, to be able to enter into the temple and see the splendor of it. But many traveled great distance to get there. The way was sometimes discouraging. They would have to travel through this valley. And here's what they would do to get them through. They would sing songs and they would worship as they traveled. Did you know that music has that type of power? Do you believe that? They worshiped as they traveled. What an amazing thought that, that music can bring encouragement to a weary soul. That is why we sing. That's why this group up here practices every single week and prepares themselves to sing praise and worship. Why? Because it lifts a weary soul. Because I can come in with a bad attitude, nothing's going my way, I hate everything going on around me, and put on some worship music, and all of a sudden my attitude changes. Music, that's why you have to be here to listen to the music and to engage into the worship so that you can prepare your heart and prepare your mind for what the Lord's about to speak. Music has that type of power. It brings encouragement. It lifts each other up to the promises of God. That is why, in my opinion, there's such an attack in today's church world in music departments. 
Because you have the minister of music of heaven who had pride enter into his heart and was kicked out of heaven and took one third of the angels with him. So don't sit here and tell me he doesn't know what he's doing. Music was his background and he's going to try to alter and distort the sound as much as he can. Let me tell you something. Not every single thing you put in between your ears is holy. And we have to be careful what we allow inside of our ears because anything not of God will take a description soul and will bring it down that much more but let me tell you something when you put music inside your ears that is uplifting to God praise and worship inside of your mind there is nothing that hell can do to beat you up because greater is he that's in you come on worship through your struggle worship through your trial worship in the valley amen amen it makes sense why most churches have the biggest fights and arguments it involves in and around music because Satan knows what he's doing. Which is why we must use that weapon against him and use it for unity and praise and believe in what we say that my miracle can happen right now no matter what the enemy tries to tell me no matter how many times he tries to get me down and no matter how many times he tries to convince me that God isn't listening when I claim it with my mouth that God is above every single power in this world then I truly do believe that all things are possible This psalm is believed one of the ones that they sang along this journey to remind them, especially during the discouraging parts of their travel, of the glory of God's house. This psalm is expressed with a deep longing for the presence of God to be in his house, to be in his courts, to dwell in his presence. So I want to read parts of this again and really break it down. And I want you to see it for what it is, a worship psalm. How lovely is your dwelling place. Because when things get tough and things get hard, you have to remind yourself how lovely is your dwelling place. Lord Almighty, my soul yearns and even faints for you. The courts of the Lord, my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Do you hear that? It says, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. You see, as they traveled, outside of Jerusalem was this valley of Baca. Most of the pilgrims had to pass through the valley to make it to Jerusalem. And I've heard several ideas about the valley. Some scholars believe that it was a garbage heap, that it was just a dump that the pilgrims passed by. And other scholars believe it takes its name from the balsam tree. And balsam trees grew in dry places. So it's believed that this valley was a harsh, dry place that would test their patience. Now let me tell you something. Have you ever been through a situation in your life that was described as harsh, as dry, and a place that would test your patience? Then you've probably been through the valley. And some of you may even have set up camp there. I hope y'all love me. 
But I'm going to preach something right now. That valley was never meant for you to live in. Too many times I hear too many people wallow in their sorrows. Woe is me. Nothing's ever going to go my way. You start singing songs about yourself and trying to discourage yourself and say things like I'll never amount to anything. I'll never be able to do anything. This isn't for me. I get on to my son all the time. When he looks at me and says, Dad, I can't do that. Don't ever tell me you can't do something. He wallows in his sorrows and he wallows in what everybody else around him has said that he can't do. And he lives in the valley of Baca too many times in a harsh, in a dry place because sometimes the worst critic is always yourself. Nobody else around you may say anything, but you tell yourself that you can't do it. You tell yourself that nothing will ever get better. You tell yourself, and let me tell you something, you were never meant to live inside your valley. The Bible says, and let me get to my very first point here, they were only meant to pass through. They were never meant to dwell. They were never meant to live. Psalm 84 says, as they pass through the valley of Baca. You see, when I read this, I'm reminded of the story of the old country preacher that was asked what his favorite part of the entire Bible was. He said, my favorite part is the one that says that it came to pass. What do you mean, preacher? You got Psalm 23, you got the golden rule. He said, those are mighty good too, sir. But let me tell you something, Matthew chapter 11 says, and it came to pass. And that's my favorite one because no matter what the enemy tries to throw at me, it came so that it could pass. I wasn't meant to live there. I was meant to learn what I had to learn and to get through to the other side, amen? Somebody shout praises to God. The valley wasn't somewhere where they made camp. The valley was never meant to be a place where they lived. If we choose to make camp and throw tent and timeshare in our valley, then we become a slave to the valley. Y'all didn't hear me. Y'all got quiet. You need to hear this. If you set up camp in your sorrow, you become a slave to your sorrow. If you set up camp in your grief, you become a slave to your grief. If you, be, if you set up camp in your doubt, you become slave to your doubt. And if you set up camp in that thought that you will never be able to get more than what you have now and nothing ever will be, nothing will get back to the way it used to be, then you have become a slave to your own mind. And let me tell you something. The Bible says, I am not a slave to the things that the enemy throws, but rather I'm set free by the power of Jesus Christ. They passed through. Let me tell you something. Grief doesn't own me. Grief doesn't own me. Doubt doesn't own me. I am not a slave to fear. Why? For I am a child of God. You see, the valley was a place they had to go through. A place that tested their patience. But it's good to remember sometimes that my home is, lies in a place called glory. 
that my home lies in a place where he will wipe every tear from my eye. My home lies in a place where there is no more death. There is no more struggle. There is no more pain. There is no more cancer. There is no more sickness. There is no more death. But rather there's worship and there's praise and there's joy and there's happiness in the presence of an almighty Savior. They were never meant to make camp. Naomi, after the death of her husband and her sons, must have felt that way. Listen to what she says in Ruth chapter 1. She says, don't call me Naomi. She said, call me Mara. Because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. Imagine what she went through. Imagine the pain that she took herself through. Do you realize that Naomi literally means delight or delightful? She was named for the joy of the Lord inside her soul. But because she went through situations beyond her control and because she set up camp in the middle of her valley, she said, call me Mara because the Lord has made my life bitter. Listen to what Job had to say. Oh, that I might have my request that God would grant what I hope for, that God would be willing to crush me. That was his hope? That the Lord would crush him? To let loose his hand and cut off my life. Then I would still have this consolation, my joy and unrelenting pain that I had not denied the words of the Holy One. What strength do I have that I should still have hope? Let me tell you something. Satan desires to steal your joy. Satan desires to steal. He is a thief. And that's what thieves do. They take things that don't belong to them. So they come in around midnight. And they come in and they try to take things that you own. But let me tell you something. When you have the security system called the Holy Spirit inside your life, they can try to get in, but they're not getting very far. I say it all the time, come at me, enemy, all that you wish, but I'm a child of God. And he tries. And sometimes it's hard. My wife has to hit me in shape. She hasn't done real good at it because I'm still kind of round. Come on now. Some people are chronic complainers. Y'all love me, right? And I mean all the time. Do you know of one? Don't point. It's not nice to point. They complain. I've even heard people complain about good things. Everything can be going good, but they find something to complain about. And let me tell you something. They have set down their roots in the valley of Baca with no intention of moving. They find something wrong. They camp to wallow in their sorrow, satisfied with their self-pity. And let me tell you something. That is not a place to live your life. You know, I believe that's why that Jesus asked the impotent man in John chapter 5, do you want to be made well? And you have to read it as a question because it had a question mark at the end of it. And I want to believe Jesus looked at this man who was wallowing in his self-pity, wallowing in everything that the world had, had uh, let him down on, and Jesus looked at this man and says, do you even want to be made well? 
How many times do you think does he look at us and says the same thing? Do you really want to get out of this hole? Then why do you keep putting yourself there? Listen, I talked to the Sunday, to the Sunday school class this morning, and I'm telling you what, the, the Lord makes me learn lessons over and over and over again because I don't learn it the first time. Has anybody else been there? He makes me go through the same thing. I thought I learned my lesson, then I got myself right back in the hole, then I learned my lesson, and I got back in the hole, and I learned my lesson. It's like a song, right? And it just happened over at some point. A mature Christian is going to take the lesson learned and not get back to where they used to be because I'm not the same person anymore, but rather I am a new creation renewed in Christ Jesus that I don't have to do those things anymore. Satan desires to steal your hope. Baca was not their home. God designed you for something better. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Let me tell you something. What's that mean? That means my trial and my valley right now is worth something. My valley is worth something because where I'm headed far outweighs what I've been through. You don't hear me. Where I'm going far outweighs what the enemy tried to take from, from me. So I'm going to learn what I have to learn in the moment, but I'm going to press forward and march ahead and not look behind me but I'm going to keep pressing forward because where I'm headed is so much better than where I've been you were not meant to camp in your valley they were just passing through point two Psalm 84 the last part of verse six they make it a place of springs the autumn rains cover it with pools. Now, what's that sound like? That sounds like a Sabbath. That sounds like a rest. That sounds peaceful, does it not? Look, they make it. How much? How many of y'all would like to be sitting right now next to a place of springs with autumn rains that cover the pools? That means I got a big old pool outside my backyard. Come on now. Why? Because not only did God never intend them to live there, they were just passing through, but the pilgrim also finds their rest inside the valley. Because it's in the valley where I learned that I can't get out of this on my own and I have to find my strength that is only found in Christ Jesus. So I'm going to lay aside the way that I think that I should do things and I'm going to sit down and relax and allow the Lord to teach me something that I wasn't doing before and I'm going to find something called rest. You know what's wrong with our society today is that we're not a culture that rests. We're a culture that goes, goes, goes and goes even to the point that it affects how we think and what we do we don't slow down enough you think well pastor I got that grind thing going on let me tell you something the grind can be to your detriment if you allow it to be I'm all for somebody hustling and getting in all the things they have to do to, to make it right for their home and, to, and to, to pay bills. I'm all for that. But let me tell you something. If you do that so much that it will hurt your soul and it hurts your health, maybe it's time to slow down just a little bit. The pilgrim found rest in the valley. David said that they make a well or dig a well while in the valley to refresh themselves so they can continue on their way. You see, it reminds me of a story when the American West opened up. Many travelers passed by this place we call Nebraska. 
The dirt was rich, black dirt. There was no water, none. They thought this land would be good for nothing, for lack of refreshment. But see, today we know that Nebraska has been called the breadbasket of our nation. More wheat and more corn are grown there than almost any other state. What happened? What made the difference that these early people couldn't see? They failed to realize that under the state of Nebraska is an underground lake, an aquifer that lays under two-thirds of the entire state. All they could see was the surface but they weren't willing to dig down just a little bit and find what was underneath. They judged the land based on only what they could see, but they forgot to dig down. What, what, what am I trying to say, Pastor? Let me tell you something. If you really want the presence of God, you can't look only at what you see. If you want the Holy Spirit inside your life and to work in you in a mighty way, you can't judge everything just based on what you see. Sometimes you got to dig down just a little bit inside your word. Sometimes you got to dig just a little bit in prayer. Sometimes you got to dig down just a little bit deep in worship. Sometimes you got to dig down just a little bit deep in your relationship with God. On the surface, it may not make sense, but underneath the ground lays an aquifer of the Holy Spirit just waiting to pour out upon you. If you dig deep, the promises of God's word are yes and amen. You see what I find in this passage? Is that even in the valley, God walks with you. One of the hardest secular jobs I had to work for was for a boss that all they did was just told me what to do. I never saw them, but they just barked orders over and over and over. You do this, you do that. Let me, let me tell you something. We, we, we don't serve a God like that. We don't serve a God that just barks orders every time that he can. No, he walks with you in the valley. He walks with you on the mountain. He walks with you in the struggle. He walks with you in the pain. All you've got to do is open your eyes and see him. They found rest in the valley. Jeremiah says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. We're told in 2 Kings chapter 3, the story of the alliance that, that, um, uh, that King Jehoshaphat, the righteous king of Judah, and Jehoram, the wicked king of Israel, the alliance they made together to attack the king of Moab. They traveled through the wilderness and picked up the king of Edom who traveled with them for seven days until they reached a valley of no water. Jehoram said that God was going to deliver them into the hand of Moab because they would die of thirst. But Jehoshaphat, even though he made a wrong decision, used to be a righteous king, but he made an unholy alliance that he wasn't supposed to. Jehoshaphat called Elisha to ask him what to do. And Elisha said, I want you to fill the valley with a bunch of holes in it. Dig a bunch of ditches. And I could just look at the face of those other kings and said, what in the world is he talking about? We have no water. We're in a severe drought. There has been nothing coming our way. We are going to die of thirst. And you want us to exert more manual labor and dig a bunch of ditches. We're going to be even more tired than we were before. 
Why do you want us to do that? Because the Lord spoke to Elisha and says, Your miracle lies in your willing to in your willingness to obey what I have told you to do. Just like I said today with your miracle. Your miracle is lying in your obedience. You see what those kings didn't know is that right around the corner was a rain cloud. And that rain cloud was just on hold. Have you ever had something on hold before? Just waiting for it to come? That rain cloud was on hold waiting for them to obey what the Lord had asked them to do. So those kings got down into the valley and they began to dig just a little bit deeper. They began to dig ditches because here's what the Lord told them. I don't want to give you water just enough for, 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 for the day or for the time, but I want you to dig a ditch so that when I send all the rain that I'm going to send, you're going to have enough water to last you for generations. And I'm going to provide something for you that can hold all this water. So they got down there and they began to dig the ditches. And when they began to obey what the Lord had called them to do, here comes the rain cloud. And the rain began to pour and the ditches began to be full and they had water. Why? Because their miracle lied in their obedience. How many people in this room, your miracle is right around the corner. And the Lord's just saying, I wish you would just obey and do what I told you to do. And if you'll do what I called you to do, I'll release the rain cloud right around the corner and come rain all over your soul. Lord, have mercy. They were never meant to make camp in the valley. In the valley, they found peace. But then I want you to notice what else happens. The pilgrim increases in strength in the valley of Baca. David said in Psalm 84 verse 7 that they went from strength to strength till each appeared before God in Zion. You see, while we don't like the valley, it's in the valley that our faith is exercised. It's in the valley where we grow in strength. It's we go from, from win to win to might to might to strength to strength. You see, you may feel in the moment that you're weak and that the, that the enemy is coming at you from every side. You may feel so black and blue and bruised up like you don't know which way is left or right. But let me tell you something. If you will rest in the presence of God, I promise you, the Bible says that you will find your strength, Isaiah, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. What's that tell me? I could be running my race and if I've got the Holy Spirit in me, I can run and I don't get tired. I can walk and I don't get weary. Listen, the enemy may try to come at me from every side, but the joy of the Lord is my strength and I'm going to keep running. I'm going to keep running till I get to the other side. Amen. They increased their strength. You see, because your valley has purpose valley has to have purpose they increased in strength psalm says send me your light and your care let them lead me let them bring me to your holy mountain to the place where you dwell the valley does not own you 
So what am I trying to say today? I'm really glad you asked because I'm about to tell you. Nowhere are we promised an easy journey home. And when I say home, I don't mean 1710 Cross Bay Court. I mean heaven. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that the journey home would be easy. There's going to be a time of weeping in the valley. There's going to be a time of sorrow in the valley. And just like the pilgrims of the Old Testament, we too go through dry places on our way home. But just as God did for them that day, he will do the same for you today. Stop making the valley your home. Find rest in your season and allow the lessons learned to give you strength not just for the day but that will last you for generations to come if the praise team would come if the band would come sometimes we wonder if we'll ever make it the way's hard and rough there's disappointments, dangers but over and over again, when it seems like that we must be overwhelmed, we get our second win because God supplies a new grace and we get strength to go on. You know, the Bible talks about greater grace and I believe that that greater grace is reserved for those that are at their wit's end. And when we give it all to God and say, without you, I can't make it. Lord, I trust you. I believe that we can go from strength to to strength because we know that the valley has purpose and that I'm not meant to live there but simply just to pass through you see someone needs this right now you've been weeping for far too long you haven't forgiven yourself for the things you've done you know sometimes the hardest person to forgive is not them it's you. you you're too hard on yourself maybe you need a job maybe marriage needs healing maybe a child or loved one's gone away from God spouse maybe it's you maybe you're in the valley and I know we've had a time of prayer already but there ain't nothing in the book that says you can't have two Your valley is for just a moment. It's for just a moment. Your valley, the enemy meant to harm you. But I don't know if you've read it. My word says that what the enemy meant for evil, my Lord will turn for my good. Your valley is not your home. And it's, and it's time to stop wallowing in what you tell yourself that you'll never get it back. You'll never get any better. I'll always mess up. I'm messed up. Let me tell you something. You tell yourself that, 
you're mocking the very creation of God because God says that he knew you from the very beginning and that he made you perfect. You, no matter how many times in this life that you've tried to count the times that you've messed up, in God's eyes, you are perfect. Forgive yourself. Your past is your past. So what? I'm not that person anymore. Stop wallowing in your valley and saying, because of my past, I'll never be able to serve. Because of my past, I'll never be able to serve. Because of my past, I won't ever amount to anything. You're giving the enemy too much credit. Because when you say that, you say that he's won. Let me tell you something, he hasn't won. He doesn't even hold the keys to his own kingdom. Jesus said, I hold the keys to death, hell, and the grave. Satan don't even have the keys to his own house. So why are you giving him credit for things that go on in this life? Stop wallowing in your self-pity and stop allowing yourself to bring you down. Forgive yourself. Learn what you have to learn in the valley and then pass through. Pass through. Get out of it. Because guess what's next on your journey? The mountain. The mountain. And it's amazing, Noah, that we can never see what the Lord is doing in the valley. But when we're high up on that mountain, we can look over the edge of the cliff and we can see the Lord's hand in every single thing that we went through. We may not understand. We may not even agree. Who cares? It isn't for you to agree with. It isn't for you to understand. All you've got to do is trust that God knows more than what you do. And when you learn what you've got to learn inside the valley, when you get to the mountain, you'll say, Oh, I see what the Lord was trying to do. I see what he was doing the whole time. So right now, I'm not going to even ask for a raise of hands. Some of y'all need to forgive yourself. And when you come up to this altar, you may come for other reasons like healing and miracles inside your life. That's fine. Pray twice about the same thing. It's okay. But there may be some of you that come up here for the sole purpose of God. I forgive myself for everything that I've done and I'm not going to allow myself to be hostage to the things of my past. I don't know who this is for. This may just be for one person. If it's just one, that's fine. Don't be a slave to your past. You have been set free. So here's what you do. You walk in it. In the truth. You walk knowing that God saved you. He forgave you, so why can't you? So God, right now, under the sound of my voice, there's going to be one I know that comes. And if it's just one, it's been worth it. But there's somebody here that needs to pray that they, that they need to forgive themselves. They have lived in the valley for far too long. They have lived in the valley for far too long, and it's time to forgive themselves. Because you cannot... Move in their life the way that you need to until they forgive themselves. 
So God, I'm praying for that person that they would come and they would give it all to God and say, God, I am not going to be a hostage to my past, but rather I am from this day forward stepping into my calling. Now for that person that is coming up here in representation of somebody that they love, they may have a loved one that they know is living in their past. They may have a loved one that is wallowing in their self-pity. Allow them to come up to this altar and, and, and stake claim in their life that they will right now, wherever they are, forgive themselves. God, there's going to be parents walk up to this altar in place of their children. There's going to be spouses walk up here in place of their loved one. There's going to be friends walk up here in place of their co-workers, of their relatives. So God, I ask for freedom in this place. And as they sing this song, that if you feel the presence of God in your life to come, that they would come. And it's in your name I pray. Amen and amen. Would you come and would you pray today either for yourself or in place of somebody else? Would you come?